Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, yeah. I'm Chris Wilson. And I'm Dylan Gregory. And we host Backstage Gaming, a weekly podcast about video games and storytelling. We both play pretend professionally. Sometimes on stage with other people. And sometimes alone in a soundproof room. So join us every Monday while we talk about games, acting, and how a story comes together. Backstage Gaming. Dramatic takes on your favorite games. Part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 121 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a lean, mean, meme machine, Robert Workman. So I'm mean twice? Yeah, <laughs> well, mean, mean, because like now, now, you know, now you know how to make memes, apparently. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry, I thought you said mean twice. I didn't know you said mean. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, damn, audio recording. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I put together a couple of them, uh, and I put those great ones together for Jetset Radio that's on the ARC Podcast Twitter, so go check it out and love it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, give it all the love. Give it all the love. And speaking of love, David, we've got some pretty good retro stories this week, and uh, there's a, a console that we both enjoy, as far as I know, that's getting a re-release in time for the holiday season, and that's something that's been talked about since last year, the Commodore 64 Mini. What's going on with that? Yeah, so the the Commodore 64 Mini is uh, something that's been announced. I believe it was rumored for like the longest while, but now it's actually going to be a real thing. Uh, there's like a trailer out for it and everything. And uh, yeah, just, you know, just as you can imagine, just like from the title alone, it is a mini version of the Commodore 64. So uh, it's going to be packed with 64 titles, which is pretty impressive. Uh, there's uh, games like Boulder Dash, Jumpman, um, let's see, Temple of, of Apshai, I believe, trilogy. Impossible Mission 2, California Games. There are a number of classics that are thrown in. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so you know, it's it's looking really cool. Like you know, as we mentioned, there's 64 titles. Um, you know, there, uh, yeah, there's the California games as you mentioned, Winter Games. Uh, there's there's also going to be USB ports. Um, also like customized visuals. It says uh, also being able to uh, save like your progress within games, which just wasn't a thing obviously back then with the Commodore 64 uh, back in the day. And uh, yeah, no, it, it's really cool. And um, and, and so I'm really curious to see like how how this sells because. Obviously, like the Commodore 64 doesn't have the same kind of uh, nostalgic love as, say, like the NES or the SNES does with the you know with the classic consoles that the Nintendo has come out for. But I think uh, you know I think the Commodore 64 Mini will find its audience here. Yeah, I think so. There are a lot of options available. You know, the USB ports. It's actually very reasonably priced at $100, and you can customize your visuals any way you see fit. I mean, you can have a 
high definition high definition output at 720p. You can do US European display mode options, a CRT filter if you want to do the old school liney look, as I call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a lot of cool stuff in this. So yeah, I'm I'm eager to give it a shot. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I was kind of curious, like, if there's, like, any particular game um, that you would like to see on this. Like, I, like, I don't know how much of, of like, the Commodore 64 that that you play there, Robert, but, like, I, you know, I, I remember this is, like, my, my very first console, the console that at least introduced me to, to the actual concept of video games, period. Yeah, I think I got hooked mostly on Impossible Mission 2. That was really a cool game when it came out. California Games was fun, too, but I really didn't dig... Uh, as deep into the Commodore 64 as you did, I was more of a casual player. So, mm. From, but uh, so that's why I would love to just go back and, and you see the controller it comes with it. That, it's really cool, uh, old school controller design. It's really sweet from what I've seen so far. Yeah, so it's just like a one uh, one joystick basically with the like, two buttons on it, and um, you know, it, it obviously like it has like the Commodore 64 keyboard as well. So, uh, you know, so, so, so you know, you'll be able to use that just like how you used to back in the day. So. Um, it's pretty neat. And, um, you know, like, uh, you know, like, at least for me anyway, like I remember, uh, like some memories of, you know, with the Commodore 64 playing games, like, uh, like Kickman, which has like the, the creepy clown on the cover with the, with the, with the unicycle and has like, uh, some cameos too, by, uh, with Pac-Man and the ghost from Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, there was like one game that I, I always forget the name of, but it's basically a game like where you play as like a worm or a centipede or whatever. And you're trying to basically sneak up behind like computer controlled worms and like eat them. Um, and basically make yourself bigger and bigger. But as you get bigger, as you're going through like the maze, it makes you a bigger target, basically, for more of the enemy worms to get you. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you remember that at all. Or... Was that Grubs? It might be. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, it, it, like the name always like, just, just, like escapes you for whatever reason. But I remember having a ton of fun playing that as well as Kickman uh, you know, as a kid back in the day before I eventually got an NES. So, um, mm. yeah, so it was really, really cool. So I'm, I'm really excited actually for, for like the Commodore 64 mini. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye out for that when it does release this October. Very cool. And, um, I'll tell you this though, that's the right way to do the old school, but there's also a wrong way to do old school. And that's if, uh, you're like, uh, some company in Arizona that runs loveroms.com and loveretro.co. Uh, there's somebody that owns both those sites and Nintendo is not pleased with their ROMs being passed around. So they have actually filed a lawsuit with the Arizona federal court against these sites, David. Yeah, and um, you know, there's obviously kind of like you know, like like a story in regards to um, you know, to, to you know, it's a story in regards to like Nintendo, uh, you know, going after like these ROM sites, and um, you know, both these ROM sites are you know are owned and operated by uh, Jake, uh, Jacob Matthias. Uh, so it's um, like, I don't know if it's like there's like specifically kind of like targeting him or his name just kind of went around like in Nintendo headquarters proper. Um, so they you know they decided to kind of go after him, but I know that other ROM sites actually have been um, reacting to this news. Uh, e- um, I think Emu Paradise even kind of like reacted to it as far as like taking down a lot of their Nintendo ROMs just recently, uh, mm-hmm. j- j- just in case that Nintendo decides to point their direction towards them as well. Because there's there are, there are like a number of these ROM sites ha- you know going around online, um, which like a lot of people certainly take advantage of, and certainly to download a lot of you know, a lot of old school Nintendo games. Uh, so I don't really blame Nintendo going after these sites, but I feel like it's a bit, it's a bit of an exercise in futility, honestly. Um, but you know, they, they do have to kind of show that they're going to be tough at any given moment, I guess, on these sites. 
Well, Nintendo's always been protective of their ROMs. Like, they shut down, like, these fan projects featuring any of their characters. So they are very protective of their characters to begin with. But mm-hmm. then they find out, like, you know, these ROMs are being distributed. And, I, I mean, I don't know what point I'm out toward this or these uh, Arizona-based websites, but, I mean, it must have been something big. Because to get their attention, you must be doing something like, I don't know, uh, promoting Zelda and Instagram or something. There has <laughs> to be another factor there that made this stand out from other sites like you know, Paradise. So there has to be something there. Yeah, and that's that's a good point, actually, because the, the, there was there was a point of that, like where um, it says here, like defendants also make, made, uh, made extensive use of Nintendo's registered trademarks, including the Nintendo logo. Uh, as well as like video game characters from Nintendo's lineup, basically. Um, so it wasn't just going around, just like you know, giving out like the ROMs and stuff, as like say like Emi Paradise does, for example. Uh, but also like as far as like using like you know art assets and like using that to kind of help promote the website in a way uh, to you know to let people know, hey, this is where you can download Super Mario Brothers three, and you know mm-hmm. just, you know just get it for free, basically. So I, I think Nintendo went after the you know these particular sites uh, specifically because of the fact that they may have kind of promoted themselves a little too hard with it. Whereas, you know, like I know with like a lot of these ROM sites, they try to kind of like play like under the radar, even though they are just, like, you know, just like a Google search away pretty much to find. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, the, these sites are definitely playing it low key, especially now. You know, they, they, they do not want to land in Nintendo's radar, especially if they think they're going to be like sued to shit. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they're playing it very cautious. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was, was kind of curious there, there, Robert, actually, like on what your take is, I guess, on, I guess, just kind of like ROM sites in general and like, I guess, like, where, where the positives and, and negatives kind of lie in their existence, really? Well, on the, on the pro side, seeing the interest in classic gaming is always good, you know, because people like to dig into the past and see whatever games they missed. And also these ROM sites can be home to, like, these fan projects, which you normally can't normally download in the wide open because of lawsuits or anything like mm, that. Like the hacked ROMs, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and on top of that, like, a lot of these systems are retired anyway, so it's not like companies are really going to lose money in this day and age. But then we come to the con side of things. I mean, first off, you don't own the games. You're you're stealing them practically. Mm -hmm. So you're not giving the companies their due in terms of, you know, the games you're basically taking. And on top of that, you know, the ROMs aren't guaranteed to really work. Sometimes it can even damage your system if they're not, you know, they're they're like a paradise for pirates. You know, who knows? They can hide viruses within these ROMs people download. So, I mean, there's always that to consider. But then one other thing is, you know, a lot of people play classic games. They build a collection. Like, I've got a collection. I know you've got a collection. You know, Kenzie Burke has a collection over there with the Metal Jesus Rock team. He has a collection, you know, an amazing collection. (laughs) So, you know, you're kind of missing on the point of classic gaming if you're not doing the whole cartridge thing. You know, I mean, there is something we said about downloading games on new systems like the Nintendo Switch, which we're going to talk about on today's show. But, you know, there's also something about owning a game, like a classic game, putting it in the system that you're going to play it in and playing it the old-fashioned way. And by doing this ROMs thing, you're you're kind of robbing yourself of the experience. Not to mention, again, companies that you know maybe you know say like um, who's that company that does the those data East releases? Oh, uh, um, the cartridge ones. Because I mean, yeah. like you know, they they still release classic games. Retrobit, Retrobit. Retro they they, they do yeah. the classic re-releases as well. And people are like, well, why don't I just download the ROMs and save myself forty bucks? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, these guys paid a lot of money for the rights. You know, so they're trying to make a good living while at the same time providing a good classic gaming example for people to take advantage of. So it's a catch twenty two. You know, it saves you money, sure, but it also, like I said, robs you of a classic game 
gaming experience, and it's not entirely safe. Yeah. Tackle if you want, but I'm not a fan of jumping in and downloading thousands of ROMs. I'd rather just go after the games themselves. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm definitely have two minds with this because, like, on, on one hand, I think it's great for preservation of games, especially for games that just aren't readily available or just are in such such short demand. That right. you know, even if you are like a big like like a a big physical games collector, it's just not easy for like a lot of, you know a lot of people to find the, you know to find these games. Like, say, if you want to play you know play like old school. Chrono Trigger, like the SNES version, you know, you, you don't want all the bells and whistles with the th- you know, with the DS version, whatever, for whatever reason. Um, but I'm, just, I'm using that as an example. Um, Chrono Trigger on, S- on SNES is very, very difficult to find unless you have the money to pony up for like $250, $300, $400, whatever, for like an actual physical copy of that. Mm-hmm. So I can certainly understand, like, especially like, you know, say if you're someone who got the SNES Classic and like it's full of like great games, but for whatever reason, it doesn't have Chrono Trigger on there. And now you're thinking, it's like, hmm, well, it's easy enough for me just to hack this thing and basically just add Chrono Trigger in there, um, which it is. But, you know, that's that kind of leads like the, I don't know, the moral quandary, I guess, with that, because obviously Square Enix owns the rights for Chrono Trigger. They're still using Chrono Trigger, although I would argue um, mishandling it in a lot of ways, especially with yeah. that, 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 that Steam board. Um, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know, is me do is me basically downloading this ROM of Chrono Trigger, preventing them from, you know, thinking it's like worthwhile to, you know, to make another thing Chrono Trigger related or, or, or to make a sequel or remaster or whatever it might be. Th- those are the kind of things that I personally think about because I could certainly understand from like the business side as far as like why it's detrimental to have these ROM sites so, uh, so readily available. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there are pros and cons to it. Because, you know, a classic ROM is going to work way better than whatever the hell that Steam port was. But by the same token, I know people would find joy in getting a boxed copy. You know, even if it is a bit costly, it, it, in the end, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, but like I said, not everybody's got money available like that. So I, I, I could see both of those sides really balancing out. But in the end, it's just really... <laughs> It's kind of an iffy subject, you know. It, there, there's pros and cons to it. Yeah, it's very nuanced, basically. Is, uh, is, is what mm-hmm. we're kind of getting at, I think. But yeah, like, it, it's very interesting to kind of see. And um, you know, I, I did mention before about like how, how Nintendo's battle with this um, is a bit of a uh, fight in futility, really, just because you know there are so many of these sites out there, and ROMs are just so readily available, no matter where you go, pretty much, whether it be a website or on like. I don't know, Pirate Bay or whatever it might be, you know, like any, any, any like place really like where you can kind of download things, there's going to be hacked or, you know, hacked games on there or pirated games on there or, you know, or, or what have you. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's just more of like the, these people or like with, with, uh, with Jacob Matthias anyway, um, specifically, he kind of put himself too much on the radar, whereas like the other sites are, uh, smart enough, really, keep themselves as under the radar as possible, while people will already kind of know who they are because of word of mouth. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see like how it all plays out. But I, I don't see Nintendo really going too far in to take down other sites unless they themselves also kind of cross that certain line, like these other sites did. So we'll see. Yeah. See how mm-hmm. it plays out. But uh, to follow up on a story that we did cover before uh, regarding Spiral Spiral Reignited Trilogy. Uh, Stuart Copeland, uh, who we mentioned before, was kind of like his name was floating around out there. Like you know, he, he's uh, he was part of the he's part of the police, uh, and also like he uh, you know he did work on the music for Spy- on, on the Spyro games before, like on the first three as well. I think uh, on the fourth one as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the Enter the Dragonfly was his last game. Well, it turns out that was actually confirmed. He is taking part in the development, I believe, of 
theme song for the Spyro of the Dragon Reunited trilogy. But there's also a neat touch. He's also taking part in the new soundtracks. And there's an option within Reignited trilogy where you can switch between the old and new soundtracks with the pressure with the push of a button. So if you want to listen to the old 90s music, you can. But if you want to hear like everything reorchestrated, you can which is, yeah. I think, a terrific option. It, it, I mean, it's not as, I mean, it's not as good as like going back to the 90s graphics and then going to the, you know, 2018 graphics, but it, it is something really cool, especially for fans who love the music. Yeah, and honestly, it, it reminds me a lot of like certain games, like say like, um, say, uh, say like Secret of, Monk, of, of Monkey Island, uh, where you have like a press of a button to switch back and forth to like the modern remastered graphics and the original pixelated graphics. Uh, this is, I think, like the first time that I can remember anyway, where the, you know you had that exact same option, but for the music in this case, uh, which, which is really really neat. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad that they added in that option. I'm glad to see that Stuart Copeland is, uh, you know, as part of this uh, this new project now involving Spyro. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see him come back on board. He uh, took part in the uh, Comic-Con panel that happened over the weekend, and he talked about like, the process of going through remastering the soundtracks. And it was just really a blast. It was a great to see him you know, back involved with the team and everything. Along oh, he was there, yeah? Yeah, he was actually at Comic-Con. It was really Oh, cool. that's cool. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, just one of those moments where it's just great to see someone who was involved with the original games come back and do some stuff. It's really great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and like obviously he's, you know, he's making like new music for uh, for, uh, for this uh, for this reignited trilogy project, um, you know, which is really neat. And um, you know, like, again, like it's, it's kind of like a celebration of his work in the gaming industry. Uh, you know, obviously he's, he's more well known for for uh, for being the drummer for the Police, um, but uh, it, it is really kind of cool to see him uh, come come back to like what it is that he's like most known for in the gaming sphere, at least. And uh, you know, you know, be celebrated in this fashion. So that's uh, that's really really cool. So we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that in case any new revelations kind of come around. But um, hopefully, we will get a chance to you know to speak with Mr. Copeland possibly in the future, maybe in some convention if he's uh, still around to uh, to promote the game. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, always, always the fingers crossed opportunity. Welcome. So uh, that's going to lead us now into the part of the show called "What Are You Playing?" We get into the games we've all been playing or recently beat. So, Robert, what have you been playing? Uh, I just finished up my reviews of the Mega Man X Legacy Collection 1 and 2, which are out mm. this week. Uh, you beat them all, yeah? No, I didn't beat them. I mean, I played through a majority of them to see how the emulation turned out. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> I, I mean, beating them all, man. Are you kidding me? These games are brutal. Uh, but um, <laughs> it is cool. There are a number of different options available. There's a challenge mode where you can challenge uh, two bosses at the same time, which I thought was great. Uh, rookie Hunter mode for each game. So if it's too tough for you, you can take it down a notch and survive a little better. Um, I think the emulation of the game games are really well done. Obviously, the older games hold up better than, say, Mega Man X6 and X7. They were good, but they weren't that, you know, as good as, like, X2 and X3. Yeah, we did talk about, too, that, that, that too, like, in our Mega Man episode with Ash Paulson, and um, we, it, it was funny, like, how there, there was that kind of, that big dip, it felt like, in the later X games. For sure. Yeah, it definitely took a dip there, but I do like the fact that they're all kind of garnered together and you could see i know they are also loaded with extras like a music player uh, behind the scenes concept art you know like the original uh, legacy collections so i think this is a pretty good collection uh they're both worth picking up but if you know if you're really don't want to pick up one at the time uh, just pick up mega man x legacy collection one yeah uh, that's the best way to go because it's got x1 through x4 and those are the best games in the series mm-hmm. uh i've also been playing this really weird game called pool panic which came out last oh, week oh yeah Adult Swim games. It's sort of a combination of pool and running around with these weird looking balls. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little odd ball, but <laughs> no, no pun intended. But um, 
it, it's a fun little game. You just have to get used to like the level design and all that. But once you see the different challenges that come your way, there's really some creative design here behind the game. It's it's a lot of fun to play, and it's it, like I said, it's just a matter of getting used to looking at all these creepy balls running around. Because it's hilarious. seriously, <laughs> you, your ball looks like he's on Adderall. Yeah, <laughs> or Adder, sure. or Adder ball, if you will. Adder ball, yeah. <laughs> for yeah, sure. he, he's definitely high on something. And the final game I've been working on, I can't talk about it too much yet, but Dead Cells. Uh, this came out for oh, Steam, yeah. Steam earlier this year. It's a huge Metroidvania game with um, randomly generated levels. It's very cool on Steam. Uh, I'm playing it through Switch right now. Uh, I can't talk about it yet because it's still under embargo. But get back to me next week, and I should have impressions for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because I, 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 like, I got to play Dead Cells as well as Pool Panic actually during. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was during PAX East or E3. Mm-hmm. I forget which yeah. one. Yeah, um, I think it's PAX East. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like with um, with like Pool Panic though, Pool Panic is probably like the most Adult Swim Adult Swim games that there is pretty much oh, yeah. as far as like its humor and just like zany off the wall kind of like humor. Um, you know the like I, I got to meet like the, uh, the like main game designer for it, and he is a very interesting character himself. Um, so it's uh, it's it's definitely one game to kind of you know to, to look out for if you're looking for something unique uh, as well as uh, just like you know if you if you appreciate that more off the wall kind of humor. Uh, it, it definitely scratches that itch. Um, but for Dead Cells, though, Dead Cells is, is a very, very pretty game. Uh, very, you know, very cool. It definitely kind of like does like its own little kind of twist to the Metroidvania kind of formula. Uh, it's definitely more action driven. Um, it's a bit of a, uh, I think it's a roguelike as well, as far as I, what I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, it's it's really cool, and definitely one to kind of look out for. And it's great; it's coming out for Switch as well. So definitely, uh, you know, it's definitely one to kind of look out for if you appreciate those types of games. So, mm-hmm. um, what about far, you? What you've been playing there, David? Uh, as far as what I've been playing, uh, more Octopath Traveler, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm thirty plus hours now in the game at this moment. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe like thirty to thirty-five, I'd say. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's really cool. I, I got, um, secondary jobs cause there's like a job system in place, uh, like for, you know, in, in the game that you can basically add in like a second job for each of the characters. So say for like Primrose, for example, uh, she, you know, she, she's a dancer by, by, uh, by default. Uh, but I also made her a cleric as well, which is like a interesting little, uh, contrast there, if you will, um, a dancing cleric basically. Um, uh, so along with her, like, uh, dark abilities and dancing, uh, dancing buff moves and stuff. Uh, she also has, uh, like healing spells and able to like, um, to do like light magic and things like that, uh, which is a neat little, little, uh, dichotomy there. So same thing with, uh, with Alfin, who's like the, um, very do-gooding um, apothecarian, basically, who kind of like goes around just like wanting to heal people. Uh, doesn't want to accept money. He just like kind of like revels and just kind of like you know and uh, like helping people. He's just like a good guy. Uh, but I made his secondary job a merchant, so there's <laughs> um, so a little bit of a balance there, if you will, as far as uh, making that work. But it actually works very well for him, like being a merchant as well. So uh, kind of gives him like you know a bit bit more um, bit more. Um, kind of filling out some holes that he's kind of missing there. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, really cool game. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying the hell out of it. Uh, I'm actually going into the third, um, was it like the third quest basically now, like of, uh, for my characters. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to going through more of that. Uh, aside from that, I've also been playing Skyskipper, which we'll definitely be talking more about in the main topic. But Skyskipper uh, is like, is like the newest, like, like one of the newest retro games that came out for, for like the switch. Um, and this is like a really interesting game just because of the fact that, um, I, I, like it, it only came out like in limited supply. I know in arcades, and I guess it didn't do so well for Nintendo. So they quickly changed all the arcade cabinets, save for one, 
uh, into Popeye, basically. So they, you know, they, they changed Skyskipper into into Popeye, and they still kept, I guess, like one of the arcade cabinets and kept it in Nintendo of America, basically, like in their basement or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was like the one last remaining, like proper, like arcade board, basically, for the game. Um, and that's basically what they use in order to bring Skyskipper out to uh, to Nintendo Switch, um, you know, which is really interesting. Um, one thing I thought was really uh, really intriguing, honestly, like when playing the game, is like when when you beat like a level. Um, like the monkey is in the cage, and like the monkey's like, "Damn it, I'll escape" or something like that. It's like they they just said, "Damn it!" in the Nintendo game, <laughs> like that's oh, crazy. Yeah. They didn't hold back. They did not hold. Back. Yeah, like re- re- really getting like you know getting edgy there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a really cool game. It's de- definitely a game I've never played before, but I think the gameplay holds up today. It's a lot of fun. Honestly, it's it's definitely very unique in, in the sense like where you're just kind of controlling a plane. Um, you're trying to save like a king and his uh, cohorts, basically. And uh, you have like these giant monkeys uh, who are basically trying to shoot you down from the sky or jump up and thwack you. And it's just, I don't know, it's just a lot of fun. It's really cool. So, you know, it's definitely one to check out. And we'll, we'll definitely talk more about it later on, too. Um, but aside from that, too, I, I also went back into Overwatch to uh, try out the new character, Wrecking Ball. Um, so it's, it's kind of like the hamster, basically, who like uh, drives a, uh, like a ball for a mech, basically, or like a mech ball thing, whatever you want to call it. And um, yeah, it's a very cool and interesting character. Uh, definitely a character that requires a lot of practice. I feel like because it's all kind of phys- physics based with him. Like where you kind of turn into a ball, you can shoot off like your grappling hook and swing around and use your momentum basically to s- slam into people and knock them about. And you know, he's really great if you like have like pits around, kind of knock people in the pits and whatnot. But uh, you you definitely have to like know how to move with him because. If if you get really good with, with you know with wrecking ball, um, I feel like you basically become like the most mobile tank and probably one of the most mobile characters in the game. Period. Um, you know, also like being able to increase your survivability too with his uh, shields and all that stuff. And yeah, it, it's a very interesting character. I don't know if I'll be playing too much of him, but like it's it's definitely a very interesting character to try out. So if you have Overwatch, def- definitely give uh, you know give or uh, you know give wrecking ball or Hammond if you will uh, try there. So there you go. Yeah, uh, so that's going to be uh, that's going to lead us now into a game code here. I'm going to give away, and this is a game code here for Tangle Deep. So this is for Steam. Tangle Deep combines the 16-bit graphics and polish of classic SNES era RPGs with elements from roguelikes and dungeon crawlers to create a magical experience for players of all skill levels. Trapped in underground villages with no memory of the world at the surface, you must survive an ever-changing labyrinth to discover what lies above. Experience rich tactical turn-based gameplay as you explore a sprawling dungeon that's different each time you play. Tangle Deep features a customizable job system and hundreds of collectible items that allow you to approach each ga- uh, each playthrough in a totally new way. Uh, so if that sounds like a jam, then definitely jump on this. Again, this is for Steam. The code is 629M53MKQANKVRY. Again, that's Tangle Deep on Steam. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Stage of History. So with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So I uh, figure since we're, you know, we're, we're talking about like, uh, you know, about like retro games and like arcade games and stuff. And, uh, you know, I figure, uh, you know, first bring up here ca- uh, Crystal Castles. So this is a 1983 maze game by Atari. It is one of the first arcade games with an actual ending instead of like just kind of looping or, you know, going on forever or whatever. Um, an Easter egg that makes Atari appear in the next level is unlocked by jumping 100 times in the southeast corner of level 1-1. So I'll actually say Atari in level 1-2, basically. 
And main character Bentley Bear has a quote that consists of uh, like a pound sign, question mark, and uh, an exclamation mark, uh, putting him along with Qbert for video game characters who feign obscenities. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like I, I haven't played too much Crystal Castles. I played like a little bit before. Um, like they actually have it at the um, the barcade in Salem, Massachusetts, uh, Bit Bar. Um, over there, like I think they still have it, but um, it's just really interesting, especially with the fact that it uses a trackball to move around. Yeah, I think that's the the thing that make it stands out from uh, other games is like when you do roll around, you don't use like a joystick or anything like that. You actually have to use the motion of the trackball, and you can't really go too fast because otherwise you'll run into enemies that are running around. So it, it's kind of cool how how you can like use slowness to like get all the gems on the board, and you have to make sure you get the last gem to get the score bonus because otherwise, if they get it. You move on to the next stage, but you don't get your bonus. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, like, I really miss using you know, using trackballs, honestly, just like in general. Um, I used to have a trackball from my old, uh, it's like my old Mac actually back in the day, and um, it, you know, it's just really cool. Like, I like, I feel like it adds like a bit of like precision in, in that sense. And um, you know, at least it was at least with Crystal Castles, it has that distinction of um, you know, having that level of control that uh, you know, that only a trackball can, can you know can really give you. So I don't know. I've, I've a lot, a lot of like nostalgic love for trackballs, I guess. Yeah, trackballs are fun because they add a little bit of precision. Like with some games, like fast ones, like Centipede and Missile Command, you have to use rapid movement. But with Crystal Castles, you need a little more precision. So I can see why Atari won't make that choice. For sure, yeah. I, I think, um, didn't Marble Madness use, use a trackball as well? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Correcto. that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, you know, which certainly makes sense for that style of game anyway. So, um, Yeah, and that's going to lead us into the next game here in Stage of History, which is Rampage. So this is a 1986 action game by Bally Midway. Game artist Brian Collin uh, rece- uh, conceived Rampage as a game that has, quote, no wrong way to play. Uh, a press release was sent to media outlets and towns present in the game as a memo stating that their town was, quote, slated for destruction. So I can imagine getting that if, say, if you're like the mayor of a town or whatever. <laughs> and um, along with George the Gorilla, Lizzie the Lizard, and Ralph the Werewolf, the Atari Lynx version also added a giant rat monster named Larry. <laughs> so um, I guess I should ask you, Robert, did you play the Atari Lynx version of Rampage? Um, I did. It's been a while, though. Oh, boy. Um, you remember playing as Larry at all? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. Uh, I'll have to dig, dip back, dip, dive back into that version and see what it's about. Uh, it's funny, though, because I was going to bring up the movie, which actually just came oh, yeah. out on Blu-ray last week. And... Uh, I actually think I like this movie more than I liked Skyscraper. I think The Rock was a lot of fun in it, and I think they, you know, they, they, they paid their tributes to the arcade game fittingly enough. I won't spoil it here, but there are a couple of things that are really cool. So, yeah, um, if you, yeah I mean, if you like video game movies, uh, this is definitely one of the better ones out there. It's a lot of fun and much fun to watch. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of hard to mess up, you know, like a movie. Uh, well, one that stars The Rock. Um, but to, uh, you know, that's based on Rampage, really, because it's just like such a basic monster movie kind of concept anyway. So I don't know, like, it's, it, you know, it just seems like it would be like very hard, like to really mess up unless you just try to, I don't know, add too much plot to, you know, just giant, like, um, giant animals, just like, you know, just, you know, just like destroying a city, basically. Uh, so I don't know, like it, it, it was, it was definitely one of the better movies based on the video game for sure. Um, the, you know, that's not exactly the you know, hardest thing to do, but you know, at the, at the same time, we've, we've just had like a long string of really bad ones. So it's, it's good to have like an, an enjoyable one for once. So that's going to lead us now into Obscura. And Obscura, it's funny, uh, we were just talking about Skyskipper a minute ago. That's the game I'm actually going into Obscura with because this actually just came out on the Nintendo Switch. 
part of the Arcade Archives collection. Uh, it is the latest Nintendo game to do so. Prior to that, we had Punch-Out, the arcade game, as well as Versus Super Mario Brothers. Uh, David talked a little bit about how it plays and everything in terms of using your biplane to like dodge gorilla attacks while at the same time trying to free up other animals that you're trying to save in there. Uh, it's kind of unique how the ROM suddenly became available because until then, like the, there was a project, David, that I want to talk about here real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Back in 2016, a group of arcade restoration enthusiasts started a project to build a restored Skyskipper cabinet. Now, at the time, obviously, there were no complete cabinets because they were all converted to Popeye except for the one that was in Nintendo's basement. But uh, apparently, the team got a hold of them. And they said, hey, can we come over and take a look at your machine? And Nintendo allowed it. They allowed him to examine the Skyskipper cabinet. They spent several hours house scanning it, taking photographs and everything. And using like one of of the four known boards that they actually were able to get their hands on, along with the materials from that, they were actually able to create a faithful restoration of the arcade game. And as far Mm -hmm. as I know, it's actually still making the rounds. But now with this digital release in Nintendo Switch, players can actually see what it's about. And it's only going to cost them like eight bucks. Um, It's not as feature laden as other retro games on the system. But I mean, like you said, it's a curious little beast, you know, and it was actually produced in a number of different ways. They made upright cabinets. They made cabaret cabinets, the smaller versions. They made cocktail machines. And then when it did not receive well, you know, because only 10 were produced for location tests, the rest, like you said, were turned into Popeye machines. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting how this team was able to go and basically recreate a long lost arcade classic. I, I like that idea of being able to make something from scratch and make it work. And I think that might be what inspired Hamster to like, get the rights and give it a chance in the Nintendo Switch market. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm just like, it is, uh, you know, as you mentioned, like, it's a very curious beast. Um, it's It definitely has, like, its history and uh, something that uh, it's 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 definitely worth picking up, I feel like, if you appreciate uh, appreciate gaming history. Because, like, you know, again, it just wasn't widely available. Um, it just kind of had, like, its very short, um, like, time in the sun before just almost being wiped out from history entirely. Um, so it's almost like a bit of a miracle, really, like, the fact that we are able to play it on the Nintendo Switch today. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely one I feel like you know everyone should check out, especially you know again if you have an appreciation for a history of games and, and just like retro gaming you know period, uh, it's worth picking up to play through, and also to kind of let let you know to let Nintendo know that you know it is worth um, bringing back like old school games, no matter how obscure they might be. And Hamster has certainly proven that with some of the titles that they've you know that they've been coming out, uh, especially with the Neo Geo line as well. So. Uh, it's, it's it's just really cool to kind of see this type of game come you know come out and have like a second lease on life. Is there a possibility we could see other obscure Nintendo games come out like this? Like, could we see Devilfish possibly make their <laughs> Maybe. You, you never know. I mean, we've got this opportunity here in which Nintendo's a little more respectful of its history. You know, it's not going to let you know. Obviously, there's some games that can't do. Like, we won't see Popeye because that means they have to get the rights to the game again. Who knows? They might, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see stuff like obviously Skyskipper, maybe Devilfish, maybe stuff that's a little off. Maybe even Wrecking Crew, if you remember that, that came out for the oh, yeah. and that was kind of a, another obscure game. Uh, mm-hmm. Who knows? We might see it as part of their Nintendo Online service. But yeah, it, it is great to see. Like, and who knows? I think we're also going to get uh, Ice Climber down the road. Mm. We, we are, yeah. Yeah, we are. And there were a couple others in this as well. So, yeah, just keep an eye out for those NES classics. Like I said, they're eight bucks. And Donkey Kong, you can actually play vertically. 
I think yeah. actually, yeah, you can play. I think that's the only one you can play vertically, but it is kind of cool. Like, I don't know. Can, you can do the same with, with um, uh, well, uh, I think you can change any of the games to vertical, but like, you know, obviously Donkey Kong lend, lends itself to the vertical aspect ratio. Oh, so does Punch Out, actually. I, I also, Punch Out, too. Yeah. Exactly. The, top down, the top and bottom monitors. I remember. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. All right. So let me know if Skyskipper does that because I haven't picked it up yet. So I'll definitely have to get on that. So Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely test it out and uh, let you know for sure. <laughs> so. That's going to lead us now into our main topic, which is basically looking over the best retro games to get for the Nintendo Switch. So we did mention a couple of them there. Um, you know, obviously with, you know, with, with Skyskipper, I think we gave like enough of a pitch there for people to go, you know, to go pick up Skyskipper. Uh, but an- another, uh, another obvious one I feel like is Donkey Kong, you know, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, especially the fact that this is the, uh, that this is the original arcade version of Donkey Kong, which is not the NES one at all by any means. This is the real deal pretty much. So this is about as close as you can get to only the arcade version of Donkey Kong without actually going out and getting the cabinet. Yeah, I think it's a really cool thing that Nintendo's allowing them to release these arcade classics uh, for Nintendo Switch. Because obviously, we're not getting the virtual console service. Uh, well, we are we're getting a service, rather. We're not getting you know, like the channel with actual game releases. It's like the online service. That yeah, doing. yeah. With, uh, with just NES games at the moment. But who knows? That could expand with GameCube, Super Nintendo, down the road. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great opportunity to, to really revisit. Like, versus Super Mario Brothers is different from the Super Mario Brothers home hmm. release. So that's definitely worth checking out as well. It's a little tougher, I believe. It's along the lines of the uh, Super Mario Brothers 2, the Lost Levels. Yeah, because it, it, you know, it was meant to be an arcade-only game, so obviously like the whole idea is just to grab as many quarters out of you as possible. So um, I'm kind of curious, because like, I never played the Versus Super Mario Brothers game, so I'm kind of curious from your end as far as like what, what are the, like, the main differences that, that you can recall between that and the original game? Um, I think, like I said, the difficulty... Uh, with Super Mario Brothers, because it's just really some of the later levels, like they ramp up pretty quick in terms of like being difficult. So mm. with something like this, I mean, it is great to get into, and it feels just like classic self. But just be prepared for a challenge. Fair enough, there. Yeah. So uh, another one too with uh, Punch Out Arcade, which we mentioned as well, uh, which you can play uh, play on the vertical aspect ratio, which is really neat. Um, and yeah, like you know, also there's like the arcade version of Punch Out. So this has never had a home release. Ever so again, that's like a very good retro game uh, pickup. I feel like uh, on the Switch, if you're going to pick up any retro games at all, that's definitely like a, you know an essential one. I feel like just, you know for that very reason alone, um, and the fact that it is a, like, a very tough game because again, it's an arcade game, so the whole idea is to get as many quarters out of you as possible. So you're going to die a lot unless you just know the game very very well. Um, but obviously, that's no problem since you can put as many credits as you want in the game. Um, but yeah, it's just really cool to kind of go back and kind of see like where these characters came from since the arcade game did come out before the NES game. So you're going to see early versions of like Mr. Sandman, for example, um, as well as uh, some like some like unique characters that never came to another punch out game ever again, like pizza pasta, <laughs> which is a really oh. good one. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like it's it's a it's a really cool one, like, you know, it's just kind of own just because again, it just never came out for you know for home platforms at all. Period. So that's a really cool one to, to own there. Um, one personal one that I do have to mention is Kid Nikki Rat Radical Ninja, uh, just because I you know I, I love the NES version of the game. I never played the arcade version of of, of it before, uh, and this is the ar- you know the arcade version of Kid Nikki. And um, yeah, it's just it's it's different enough. 
um, like where it kind of throws me off a little bit, like where my muscle memory kind of fails me a little bit in that regard. Um, but otherwise, it, it is is a really neat, just kind of like side scrolling platforming, like uh, you know, this action game, whatever. It's kind of like use like a spinning sword to kind of thwack people off in the sky. It's very satisfying, honestly. In that, like the way that you kind of thwack people and they go flying off, like the uh, like Team Rock in a Pokemon. Um, so it's uh, it, it's it's a really cool one that you know to go check out if you're curious enough. Yeah, I mean, we're starting to see a lot type of games on the Switch. I mean, like between the Neo Geo releases as well as the General Hamster releases, we're really starting to get some uh, some great games there. Uh, but there's another company that's also producing a number of great titles, and that is uh, Johnny's Turbo, or I'm sorry, Flying Tiger Entertainment and the Johnny Turbo Arcade lineup. Yeah, uh, they've been producing producing some great games over the past few weeks based on Data East Arcade Library. Uh, they did Express Raider, which just came out, which is really cool, uh, fun little like robbery sort of game where you side scroll and beat up enemies, and then you do like a shootout stage. Uh, of course, there's Bad Dudes versus Radical Ninja, which your is your favorite. <laughs> yeah, of course, obviously. And then there's obscure stuff like Super Burger Time and Two Crude Dudes, mm. uh, which I don't think we've had a home release of that one since. Uh, Atari Classic, or I'm sorry, uh, Daddy Starcade Classics on the Wii, um, which, you know, it's it's a really cool game. It's a side-scrolling beat-em-up, but uh, these guys are, are continuing to explore that library. You know, we're going to get Nitro Ball in August. Uh, next week, they're going to release a game called Shootout, which originally came to arcades. It just has a bunch of shooting and dodging bullets in, in like, the 1930s or 1940s or somewhere in there. One of those mm. old-timey games. But, you know, I really want them to dig a little deeper, and I want to see more games like um, Atomic Runner. Atomic Runner Chelnov, mm. which was uh, out on Genesis and Arcade. For, I'd love to see that come back. Gondomania, which never got a home release. A mm. Heavy Barrel, which we haven't seen since um, Dead East Arcade Classics either. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, oh, and we can't forget about Caveman Ninja. That came out a while ago, too. And that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Because I know like people who had like, an SNES or... or- or, or Genesis will know, uh, will know Joe and Mac or like the Joe and Mac series, basically. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. But then, you know, then we can dig into the SNK stuff because it, it's kind of interesting. On the one hand, we're getting all these arcade arcade releases based on Neo Geo. And, you know, we've got stuff like Baseball Stars Professional, Magician Lord, uh, Metal Slug, Samurai Showdown, just today, King of Fighters 97. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of games that are available for eight bucks each. But then uh, you also have uh, the SNK Anniversary Collection, which is coming from NIS America later this fall. Um, and it's packed with like all of SNK's older games. Or, you know, we're talking stuff like Ikari Warriors, Victory Road, Athena, Psycho Soldier. Now the song's stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. Guerrilla War, like all these older. Uh, Crystallis was just announced this week. From yeah, I was really excited about that actually, just because like we we did talk about Crystallis in a um, in an episode not too long ago, really, and I, I was like really interested in like trying it out. And now I have a chance to do that. So yeah, so yeah, it's really great uh, when that collection comes. So we're getting all the SNK bases covered here, but now I, I really want to see more Taito stuff. And we are starting, I mean, from what I understand, they're working on a new Ninja Warriors game, which mm. will be out in 2019. I know they're exploring some other franchises they want to bring out as well. So, I mean, we're, we're really starting to roll into this, um, this, this um, classic sort of gaming mood on the Switch. Yeah. Like, even uh, without the virtual console, we're really getting that. And another company we should bring up here, David, Sega, because they're yeah. releasing their Sega Ages games. Like, sometime in August uh, in Japan, Anyway, they're going to get Sonic the Hedgehog and Thunder Force 4, also known as Lightning Force. Mm-hmm. And hopefully a U.S. release will follow shortly after because we want to play those games too. 
And it's really going to kick off their little series, which could include Dreamcast or Saturn games. But for now, you know, we're going to get stuff like Alex Kidd and Miracle World. We're going to get Fantasy Star, the original Master System version. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get a bunch of those games. So, I mean, they're doing their their own right in terms of classic stuff as well. Yeah, so, and that's that's that like that that's all part of like their uh, their Sega Ages lineup as well. And they, they they've been doing a great job of like bringing that to the the, uh, the Nintendo Switch because I think like when when they first announced that they were doing the Sega Ages project. Uh, that it was going to be coming out for mobile phones, and people were like, eh, well, you know, I, I do like these games, but I don't want to play them on the phone. Um, but since, like, you know, we are having kind of like phone games basically coming out for Nintendo Switch anyway, it just kind of makes more sense to bring those games to to Nintendo Switch. And I, you know, I think that'll do a lot better for them anyway. Yeah, I think. I mean, just take a look at the impact from uh, Sonic Mania Plus by itself. You yeah. know, from what I understand, that game sold fifty two percent of its copies overall. On the Switch. I mean, that's more than um, Xbox One and PlayStation 4 combined. Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. It just goes <laughs> to show people really want those those uh, Sonic on Switch. You know, mm-hmm. it makes after all these years of him fighting Nintendo, it'd be like, oh, he's right <laughs> at home on the system. That's great. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's really cool how it's selling like that. And Sonic Mania is like easily one of the best games to get if you're trying to fulfill your retro fix on the Switch. It's amazing. The new features are terrific. You know, the four-player competitive mode, the encore mode, Mm -hmm. um, the two new characters, uh, just really loaded with a lot of stuff. And we talked about the physical version as well, right? We talked about it with the reversible Sega Genesis art style Yes, that you could do, which is really yeah. cool to cover, and then uh, the art book, which is really cool as well. So I mean, mm. yeah, I mean, it's just one of those titles we have to mention with our retro fix, and obviously, you know, I'm sure you played um, Namco Museum as well. Yeah, yeah, Namco Museum is is really really good pickup. Honestly, um, like you know, it has games like um, like Dig Dug on there, and like you know, and, and like plenty of other games too. But uh, it, it's it's a great you know, it's a great collection of like old school Namco games for sure. Um, and go, going back to uh, to SNK as well, actually, like you you, you know you mentioned there with like King of Fighters ninety seven that did recently come out. Uh, they did come out with King of Fighters ninety eight before that, uh, which I would mm-hmm. argue is like the best or one of the best King of Fighters games, just because it's it's meant to be kind of like a dream match. So it's like includes basically every single King of Fighters character basically before then. Um, so yeah, it, it, that's a really good pickup along with like Last Blade two, uh, which is also like a really good SNK fighter. And also Garo, Mark of the Wolves. Uh, that's also like a really great, uh, a really great SNK fighter, and a gorgeous one at that too. Like it's, I'll, I'll put that uh, almost on par with uh, Street Fighter Three Third Strike, honestly, as far as like be just being like a gorgeous game. And speaking of Street Fighter, there's also there's also the Street Fighter Thirtieth uh, Anniversary Collection, uh, which is uh, you know w- you know which includes basically every single Street Fighter game, um, at least as far as like the two D ones anyway, because it includes. Uh, Street Fighter 1, as well as like a whole bunch of versions of Street Fighter 2, uh, you know, the three versions of Street Fighter 3, as well as the Street Fighter Alpha games as well. So, um, yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of Street Fighter basically to be had in that collection. And what's really cool, too, is that the Switch version, I know, uh, includes like a special tournament mode. So you can have like people with like eight Switches or whatever and kind of like do like this multiplayer tournament style kind of thing, like almost like a March Madness bracket kind of thing. Um, so if you play like say like Super Street Fighter Two on the on the SNES like I did, uh, you'll 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 remember that there was like a tournament mode in that. So you you can essentially do that now, but um, you know, but with uh, with a bunch of switches and stuff, it's really neat. Yeah, it's a good step up from Ultra Street Fighter Two, which I did like. I did like the way that Ultra Street Fighter Two captured the old style. We'll yeah. play anywhere on the Switch, but obviously now that we have the uh, the Street Fighter Anniversary Collection, we don't really need that anymore. So exactly, yeah. And um, to continue the SNK love too, I do have to mention Neo Turf Masters, which is a really great golf game. Oh yeah, uh, uh, a lot a, a lot of character to it as well. Like you know, if you like the 
the kind of characterizations that are in, say, like Baseball Stars 2, for example. Um, this kind of scratches that itch as well, just like with the facial animations and like, you know, the, the way that the golfers kind of react and stuff. And it's, it's, it's just like a lot of fun. It's, it's a really cool, like, arcade golf game, basically. So if you're looking for that, that's definitely the way to go. Yeah, another title that came out last week was League Bowl. Um, I don't know why, but this game is just ridiculously silly. Mm, you know, you, like, you, right, yeah. yeah, I mean, you do this bowling and everything, but the reaction of your player, he's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, hit the pin, hit the pin. And when <laughs> he gets crushed by a truck, I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah. <laughs> it's very weird, um, very Japanese, but very cool. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And you play two players at once because it has a split screen setup, which I think was very cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a fun one as well. So, I mean, there, and then I'm, I'm a sucker for shooters, you know, so I had to get Blazing Star. I had to get uh, Last Resort because I thought that was a really great shooter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- there are a number of great games. And then I think one of the underappreciated ones was Sengoku 3, which is easily one of the best side-scrolling beat-ups they do because they mixed up the uh, the combo style. Mm-hmm. So you can do like a number of versatile attacks. And it's really, and there are like four different characters you could do them with too. And it's challenging. You know, that that's the thing. You, like most beat-em-ups, you want it to be a breeze. But this one, you actually you know feel like, oh, the challenge is actually working really well for this. So. I mean, hmm. I think that's another one I'd recommend to you, especially. All right, cool. I'll, I'll definitely I'll def- you know, have to check that out then. For sure. mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, since, since we mentioned with like the Namco uh, Namco Museum as well as the Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection, uh, there are also other collections out there to to check out, uh, namely with the Mega Man and Mega Man X Legacy Collections. Um, you know, which uh, basically includes basically every single Mega Man game out there, minus the uh, also you know with like the later ones, but this is basically every single. Um, Mega Man game as well as Mega Man X game, basically. So if you have, you know, all, like all these collections, basically it's four games in total, then you basically have all the old school um, Mega Man love, like right there, like on your Switch, uh, which is really cool. And um, there is also, uh, hmm, did I, did I miss that one? Oh, no, I, I, guess, uh, I guess that's what I was saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there, there is one more. There's the Namco, Namco Museum arcade pack uh this is coming in september it packages together namco museum with pac-man championship edition 2 with that cool cover art that we talked about like the 50 style cover that's art. right yeah, yeah yeah so i thought that was pretty cool that that's coming out i mean that's you know if you already have the games you don't need to pick this one up but i think you know the cover art kind of makes it cool to pick up so yeah it's definitely a good pickup if you don't already own those games so especially for like, the collectability of it i think it's just like a really neat physical item honestly to have so um yeah so it's really cool to have for sure you know, the real question is, obviously, what will Nintendo take over the next few months to introduce, like, more classic games to the service? Because that's the thing. You want to keep people entertained. I mean, look at Xbox Game Pass. They alternate a lot of their games out every month, and they introduce new titles day one. So that's a way to really keep people involved with the service. So I'm trying to just see what Nintendo has in mind in terms of, you know, keeping people entertained. For sure, yeah. Um, yeah I'm definitely really curious because, like, we still don't really quite know as far as like what the nintendo online service will will entail like as far as we know like they're going to do kind of like a um as far as like having games kind of come in and come out kind of thing like almost like a netflix model if you will like as far as like say like a show comes out or like you know so so they'll have like a movie come out then after like a few months or whatever then then they rotate it out with something else or whatever um so that kind of sounds like what they're doing with this as far as like with the retro titles are concerned um which i'm not Totally sure how I feel about that, honestly, because it's just kind of nice to, you know, buy a game, you own it, and that's it. You just own it, you can play it whenever you want to. Um, so obviously, this is kind of like meant to, you know, again, kind of like uh, copy like the Netflix, 
model a bit, but also in regards to their, their retro catalog. Um, so I guess we'll kind of like see like how it plays out and like, you know, especially once Nintendo finally does uh, give us like more details as far as like what this entails. But I, I, I do, I do hope that there will be like some really cool retro titles uh, that are like part of this instead of just kind of like the same old, same old with like Super Mario World, Legend of Zelda and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to see what they introduce with it, but I want to make sure they have enough variety to keep it. So I wish mm-hmm. them the best luck. I really hope it happens. You know what they should do, really, is bring back um, BS Zelda, like the Satella View Zelda, and like have that be like a thing, like where you know you go online on your Switch, you have a certain amount of time basically to play through these like special dungeons um, on you know on like Zelda. You have you know you're under like time limit basically, and you know you, you basically kind of like. Uh, I guess like compare like your scores or whatever. I, I forget exactly how the Satellaview Zelda goes exactly, but I just remember people had to log in at a certain time, and you basically had this like limited amount of time basically to go through like these like specific dungeons, but they're all based on like the original Le- Legend of Zelda, uh, which is really really neat. So I, I kind of I kind of hope actually that they'll bring that concept back, uh, but for the Nintendo Switch. You know who knows? Uh, we'll have to see how the service goes when it launches. September, but hopefully next month we'll get details through a new Nintendo Direct because that would work for me. Yeah, there is a Direct supposed to come out soon. So, yeah, that we're, we're kind of overdue really for some details on that. So, I, you know, hopefully we'll hear more soon. But that's that's my hope and that's my bold prediction as well. I'm, I'm going to say that they're going to bring back uh, the the BS Zelda series. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but yeah, so that's basically our main topic right there. And I believe you have a game code now to give away, Robert. I do. I have a game code for Steam called Garage Bad Trip. This is by Tiny Build. Uh, it is a bloody top-down shooter inspired by VHS era B movies. It also came out for Nintendo Switch. Uh, you play as an ex-drug dealer named Butch who single-handedly slays hordes of living dead in an effort to save his girl. Uh, the game is now available for Steam, and you can play it right now with this code. It is XGQNGW6LC3LF2LN. That is for Garage Bad Trip on Steam. Do enjoy. Indeed. And uh, we don't have random select for this week since uh, we, do, we don't have a guest like for, for this week. But um, I figure we'll go over some um, some extra news items here, Robert. Uh, starting off with the return with the return of it uh, you know, of, of an N64 shooter called Forsaken for people who might remember that. Yeah, this came out actually 20 years ago, uh, sort of like a, a 3D Descent style shooter. It was done by Probe Entertainment, produced by Acclaim for release. And I think I preferred the N64 version because it had four player local um, local versus like multiplayer split screen. And mm. I thought it was really well done. Now the team at Night Dive Studios, the guys who re-released uh, the Turok games on Xbox One earlier this year and Steam last year. They've got the rights to Forsaken, so they are releasing it next week for Xbox One and PC. Uh, the game is going to be $19.99. Uh, it's unknown if it's going to have local multiplayer, but it will have online multiplayer. It will have six different modes to choose from. Uh, it will feature support for widescreen and 4K monitors. It will have solid control setup, unique levels, and enemies featured in the Nintendo 64 version of the game. Unlockable bonus levels that have never been seen since the original release, I believe. Oh, so okay. it's been quite a while. And actually, online multiplayer supports up to 16 players. Oh, wow. Across okay. various modes, including Capture the Flag, Team Deathmatch, uh, One Flag CTF, uh, Bounty Hunt, and Team Bounty Hunt, as well as a free-for-all. Um, I played a little bit of this last night, and it is a cool game. I have to admit, I'm very intrigued by how this port's going. The graphics do look great. The controls 
really handled very well. Uh, I forgot how much fun this game actually was because mm. at the time, you know, we didn't know how much we could trust a claim with what they did with the South Park license. Right. <laughs> you just don't see too many of these like descent style shooters, like where you go around 360 degrees, just flying around in like uh, you know with like, in first person. Um, and it's it's almost kind of like a corridor shooter, but obviously being able to fly around in an arena. Um, so I guess I kind of like, I guess like a mixture of like Wolfenstein 3d and descent, I guess, in a sense, um, it's, it's, it's really, really cool. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of interesting again to me, like how we just don't see too many of these types of games, honestly, out there. Like it's probably one of the rarer, uh, styles of games out there, but you know, it is neat to kind of see, see Forsaken come out. Uh, I do remember playing like a bit of it before. I think like my neighbor, uh, he like rented it like during like a weekend and we played through it before. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's really neat to kind of see, you know, to see this come back. So I'm, I'm excited to see what other obscure game comes out as far as like a remaster is concerned. I, I told him Extreme G needs to happen at one point because that was oh, that okay. was actually a fun little <laughs> arcade racer. I'd love to see that with 60 frames per second, 4K support. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I think it'd be, it'd be really, really neat there. So mm-hmm. yeah, and so then uh, mm-hmm. there was one other thing we should discuss too. Um, you know, I'm a fan of Battletoads. Oh, yeah. we both are now um a lot of people complain that one of the toughest levels in the game is the turbo tunnel especially when you have those little slabs at the end that you have to pretty much dart through in order to reach the finish Mm -hmm. or to jump to get to them and all that yeah yeah. exactly so imagine having to beat that level blindfolded are you mad i'm crazy (laughs) um but no uh there was a player who's known as the mexican runner he does a lot of these speed runs. During uh, Summer Games No Quick, he did this amazing one for Cuphead. Uh, he was recently on this speed run thing for the European Speedrunner Assembly Marathon, uh, which we'll have a link to in the channel there. I believe it's still going through this weekend. Um, he did the Battletoads Turbo Tunnel Run blindfolded. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the amazing thing. He actually did it in a single shot. He, yeah. done. he took audio cues because he, he they asked the crowd to be quiet because mm. obviously you don't want to distract them when he's doing something like this blindfold right and he wore a bag over his head and he did it like in one single run it was spectacular stuff to watch i mean I, i'm nuts <laughs> i'm still in disbelief and the crowd loved it too yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm telling you david we have no excuse if you can do a blindfold right <laughs> and, and you know rookies get good because exactly you know, yeah i mean like it, it's it really is kind of like a testament to to his skill because i've seen the mexican runners um speed run actually for like the game proper like going through the you know the entire game you know as fast as possible and uh th- this is like a really um you know like another testament to his skill honestly in this game uh, being able to go through the turbo tunnel like this honestly with, with like, the turbo tunnel like you know as much as people like bitch about like how difficult it is um it's still it's still kind of like a matter of like just of memorizing like where you know where things are going to be so you know exactly when to you know when to expect them uh at, you know at any given time but you know if you're doing it blindfolded as, as he you know as, as he did here and just going by audio cues i mean you just have to have picture perfect like just timing with your button presses with going up and down as well especially when it starts speeding up with the uh with the barricades going up and down um it, it gets really, really tough, and obviously he can't go by like how far up or how how far down he is. So any little mistake would be instant death for him. But uh, being able to do it in one try is is really, really amazing. Yeah, no kidding. So I mean, like the next time you're having trouble with a stage like that, just take the audio cues into effect. Because if he can do that with with certain controller movements, so can you while watching sure. the screen. So there there has to be a way around that. I mean, I was able to get through it, but it took several tries. And obviously, I'm sure you've had your struggles as well. So, I mean, maybe the audio 
has something to do with helping you succeed a little more. Yeah, because at least with Turbo Tunnel, I know it's making that sound like looks like the wind basically blowing by like as East Barricade passes you. So that's essentially what what I imagine that you know that he had to kind of go by. And uh, yeah, it's you know it's really neat and um, you know like all like all all the uh, all the respect there to the uh, to the Mexican runner for uh, for being able to pull that off. Mm-hmm, totally, he did a great job. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, our cast episode one twenty one in the books. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to throw out there, Robert. Before we close um, the chat, we are going to be doing some traveling over the next couple of weeks. We know, David, you're off to New York pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, where are you headed? Uh, so I'm going to the Play NYC event over there. I figure, like, since New York is just like a bus ride away for me, I, I mean, I may as well go and check it out. Um, so yeah, like, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully you get, you know, get to check out some fun content there and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if it can get some, uh, some recordings over there too. We'll see, we'll see what happens mm-hmm. basically. Um, and aside from that too, I'm also, um, getting things uh, planned out for PAX West, uh, which will be at the end of August, beginning of September, basically time frame. Um, I believe you're going to be there too, right? I'm trying. Unfortunately, I still have to figure out travel funds. So you'll okay. have to get the interviews for us this time around. So make sure your recorder works. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I'll, I'll make sure it's working properly this time. Um, but um, do not be bummed out because I am traveling over the next couple of weeks to a couple of fan events that are coming up. Um, coming up next week, for example, I'm going to RTX Austin, uh, which will be in Austin, Texas. Obviously, it's the Rooster Teeth Festival. We'll be talking with several folks behind anime, gaming, um, other different shows that they're doing as well. So we'll be talking with several people with mm-hmm. them. So I had uh, a fun house for me. <laughs> well, as well as What's Good Games, they'll be out there as well. Mm-hmm. And then the week after that, still waiting on final confirmation, but it looks like I'll be going to QuickCon as well. Mm. So I'll be able to talk to some of Bethesda's people about upcoming games like Rage 2, Fallout 76, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I will definitely get audio interviews during both of those shows, and we'll have some new content when I return. Very cool, very cool. Uh, so definitely look out for any content that's going to come from those. Uh, you know, those are coming up soon, so you're going to be getting some uh, some goodness there from those events. So for sure, uh, and yeah, so that is pretty much uh, the you know the episode right there. So if you want to find us on uh, on Twitter, we are at our podcast. So you know, and the uh, same thing for Facebook, we're facebook.com slash our podcast. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at the guilty man. And you can follow me on Twitter on twitter.com slash the DCD. You can also check out my work at comicbook.com slash gaming. Indeed. And uh, also we are a partner with Don't Feed the Gamers. So be sure to check them out at don'tfeedthegamers.com. Uh, you know, that's run by our good friend, Liana Ruppert. Uh, so be sure to give her and her team some love over there for all their fan-centric gaming news and reviews. Uh, and also you can find like our, our, our episodes on there too. So, you know, like, you know, there's, there's like another reason basically to, to, uh, to go check that out for sure. Uh, we are, uh, we're also on, on, uh, on like discord as well. So there is like a link to join our discord room to, uh, you know, to go like chat with like, your fellow retro gaming, uh, you know, fans and whatnot, uh, as well as, you know, as well as with me and Robert, like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll like frequent that, uh, that room as well. So if you have any, any like questions for us, uh, like outside of the show, or whatever, definitely, um, d- definitely drop on by and like, uh, and, and talk with us. So it'd be, it'd be really cool. Uh, and yeah, like, uh, also, uh, let's see here, blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah. And also if you, uh, you know, if you have like any like questions, any like, um, any like feedback or any like retro games you want us to cover or anything at all, really, you could email us at rcast at retrozap.com and be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts, especially the star Wars variety. There is Bruise and Blasters, Kanata's Castle, Skywalker Through Neverland, Starship Sabers and Scoundrels. There's also Beltway Bontas, which is really cool because it, it combines both Star Wars and politics. So if you're of both minds, it's definitely the podcast for you. There's also the Animaniacast. So if you're a big Animaniacs fan, it's definitely the podcast for you. And they're also Raw Pulse and Approved. 
There's also the Deucecast Movie Show. So just like the title suggests, they are a movie podcast. And those guys have been doing it for over 300 episodes now. So they definitely know what they're doing over there. And uh, there's also the Techno Retro Dads. So if you love old school stuff, and of course you do because you listen to the R-Cast, you love the Techno Retro Dads because they cover stuff in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, not only just video games, but also toys, commercials, things like that. And yeah, there's also us with R-Cast. So be sure to find us on iTunes where you can give us five stars, subscribe, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Stitcher and also Google Play Music. So there's absolutely no reason to not listen to the Rcast. And yeah, again, that's Rcast episode 121 in the books. Until next time, keep it retro. Stay away, gorillas. Uh, I, don't right. need you, I don't need you swatting at me. I'm just trying to fly my plane through your zone. Excuse me. I know, right? I think I'd rather be the, like the monkeys in this case, and like, and it's, you know, specifically Winston from Overwatch, and be jumping around on people, shooting my Tesla cannon, and then eat some peanut butter afterwards. <laughs> well, there, there you go. Whatever, whatever, your blow your You're, you're <laughs> kind of weird. You're kind of weird. <laughs> All right, guys, we will see you next week. Until next time, see ya. Catch you later. everyone this is rob and jay from the classic gaming podcast we uh play and talk about old school video games on our podcast i know you probably couldn't have guessed that from the name of it but uh as for me i tend to prefer the old the good old point and click adventure game genre i also like strategy games i play a lot of a wide variety of stuff uh, uh as for jay yeah i'm really partial to rpgs and rts's so things like final fantasy tactics and chrono trigger to that of starcraft or age of empires um, generally at the podcast, we try to stay on topic, but we usually end up going off on super, super far tangents. Give us a listen over at the HP Video Game Podcast Network. You can also find us at ClassicGamingPodcast.com, and uh, we hope you check us out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.